Chapter 8 of From Slave Cabin to Pulpit by Peter Randolph. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 8 Religion at the Close of the War. I wish to speak now concerning the general religious status of the colored people at the close of the war and their relation to their white brethren. During the heated discussions of slavery and the war conflict, the religious denominations North and South divided on the subject of slavery, the northern brethren believing it was wrong to hold slaves, the southern brethren that it was right. The colored people at this time, of course, had no religious rights more than what their masters allowed them. But now, by the shock of war, they had come into possession of manhood rights. To what wing of the denomination would they ally themselves, to the southern or northern? At the close of the war, the colored Baptists found that the Southern Baptists had formed resolutions against the Northern Baptists and desired to have no communication with them. At the same time, the Northern Brethren were doing much to help the religious life of the colored people. The Southern Baptists wanted the colored Brethren to ally themselves with them. This the colored Brethren hesitated to do because they considered the Northern Brethren their friends. When the proposition was made to us by our white brethren, our reply was that we would consent on these conditions. First, that they would take back all they had claimed and said against the Baptists of the North, and second, that they would meet us as Christian brethren and not as slaves. A meeting was appointed for both white and colored to consider the suggestions. I was appointed by the colored brethren to represent them, and Reverend Mr. Sands, who had preached for the colored people in Manchester, to represent the whites. The said Sands was not only a preacher, but a member of the Virginia Bar, a lawyer by profession. We met in one of the churches to talk the matter over. His opinion was that the conditions were too strong. After we had interchanged views on the subject, we adjourned to meet again at the call of the committee. When the second meeting was called, Reverend Dr. Burroughs spoke for the same and did much to persuade the colored Baptists to affiliate with the white. But as this was the first time in the history of the colored Baptists that we had had to make terms, we were inclined to hold to our propositions. A third meeting was called in which my old friend Dr. Jeter spoke for the white brethren. But this meeting was similar to the other two, as far as the result was concerned, for the colored brethren seemed fully determined as before. Finally, the white brethren abandoned the attempt, feeling, if not expressing it in words, that Ephraim was joined to his idols, the Northern Baptists. The reasons why our white brethren wanted us to affiliate with them I may not be able to give. Certainly, they were very loud in declaring that we had no men who were competent and fit to preach and to act as pastors, but experience has proved the contrary. I think I voice the sentiment of my brethren when I say that we chose rather to grope our way in the dark than to have thrust upon us that kind of preachers we had had in the dark days of slavery, men who could neither sympathize with us nor preach us the full gospel. Besides, we knew that our white brethren denied our manhood, and with their own hands had bought and sold human flesh. If we were poor and ignorant, we wanted to be consistent. I recall here an incident that will help to illustrate my meaning. About the time of which I am speaking, a northern missionary by the name of John Vasey offered Dr. Burroughs a Bible as a present. The doctor refused it because of his feeling and attitude toward the north. If the doctor, after having a fair fight with the North, refused the Bible on the ground of consistency, what could he have expected of us, the colored Baptists who hadn't a half of a chance? 
at any rate we felt that we were justified in coming out and forming a separate organization accordingly a convention of the colored baptists of richmond and vicinity was called for the purpose of considering plans of permanent organization the meeting convened in the ebenezer church of which i was the pastor and formed themselves into what is known as the shiloh baptist association of virginia your humble servant was chosen as the first president and john oliver the secretary the said john oliver was formerly of boston but went south immediately at the close of the war and rendered much service for his people i am proud to say that this association has been productive of much good among the colored baptists of virginia the question may be asked how was i treated in richmond by the local white people during my stay there of nearly five years in part answer to such a query i would say that i was treated as well as could be expected under the circumstances of course there was a bitter feeling against all persons who hailed from the north whether they were black or white and naturally i came in for my share doubtless a few incidents will better illustrate this point than i can describe it in language on account of the active interest i took in my people there were some who were inclined to look upon me as a kind of a spy in behalf of the government some time after i had relinquished my work and interest in the courts i was asked one day by a local white gentleman how much i had received for my service when i answered him nothing he further remarked that many of us thought you were a government spy spent here to watch us it was a duty as well as a pleasure for me to correct this false impression i may say here that once during my two years service in the courts looking after the interests of the colored people i did receive something but not from any political source it happened in this wise a poor old colored woman had lost her husband by death the physician who attended him during his illness sued this poor widow for the house she lived in which was valued at five hundred dollars she engaged a lawyer to defend her but when the case was called the lawyer could not be found i represented her before the judge and her house was saved this old woman was so pleased and gratified for what i had done that she brought me two dollars and a half in gold i refused it but she insisted that i should take it or she would be displeased i took the money and that is the only compensation that i ever received for my service of two years for a while to say the least the white south had to endure the presence of the white yankees but the black or negger yankees they did not want to see or come in contact with once i called at a lady's residence to see her servant and while in the kitchen the lady herself came in and the cook introduced me as the pastor of one of the colored churches and that i was from the north she politely recognized me and intimated that she was glad to see me then at once she proceeded to speak adversely of the northern people by saying that they were very mean and stingy while the southern people were kind and liberal i remarked that the northern people had to work hard for their money and they were careful how they used it she extended her remarks by saying that she had an old auntie referring to an old colored woman by name that the yankees had set free but now she was poor and suffering for the necessities of life i asked her about how much money did she think this colored woman to whom she referred had earned for her during her time of enslavement well she said likely some thousands this remark caused me to say then madam she is entitled to her earnings is she not she expressed herself to the effect that she believed the colored people were made servants for the white people 
i differed with her and we entered into a discussion of the history of races she was kind and considerate in her address and i endeavoured to be the same and thus ended our meeting i was informed that when her husband came home she told him that a negger yankee had been in her yard and about what i had said to her he expressed himself as being indignant and regretted that he was not present so that he might introduce me to the toe of his boot of course i avoided that yard in the future i must say however that i was frequently sent for by other southern white people to marry their servants or preach the funerals End of chapter 8